0: Hello, hello, you're listening to For the Girls, Gays and Days, the podcast where two friends process their emotion concerning pop culture of note to the acronymed community. From film to television, music to literature, we're here to tell you what caught our queer eyes this week. I'm Colt, he, him.
1: I'm Alex, they, them.
0: Welcome. Welcome. Uh, right, category is film. Yes. I'm going to jump in for this one and say that this week I have been fortunate enough to attend multiple screenings at the BFI London Film Festival, which has been running since I think last week, end of last week. I think I've seen eight films so far, and I have one more screening to attend later this evening. I've seen some excellent films I've seen some not excellent films, (laughs) Um, but we'll start with the good news. (laughs) The best film I've seen so far at the London Film Festival is Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, Mm. which I gave a score of 9 out of 10. Wow. It stars Brendan Fraser as a reclusive English teacher suffering from an eating disorder that has left him severely obese as he attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption brendan fraser is so powerful in this role they should not even nominate <laughs> any other best actor contenders in any awards show this season it's they're they're all his they're all his award it It's just for him to get up on stage and receive them to thunderous applause, which he fully deserves when i when I say that his performance is is powerful it is it's it's there's there's a lot of like very expressions of very painful grief that he yeah. just captures so well, but it is balanced with a warmth uh he he just sews so much into this character that is you you get so attached so quickly and his struggles are so palpable um both both emotionally and physically and hands down the best film the festival for me hands down and we were lucky enough to have the um Darren Aronofsky and Samuel D Hunter the writer um wow at the yeah, yeah. At the to to introduce it, which is very unusual, because I I went to I went to mostly matinee performances, mm. um, or matinee screenings, rather than the the nighttime galas. So, having an intro is not is not usual for those. So this is very fortunate that that both Darren and and Sam were there to intro the film, which was really interesting to sort of hear their take on things and sort of hear about. As it has been stated in the media that Darren Aronofsky in has been pursuing a lead actor to to play the character for for a very long time. And mm. and, and Brendan Fraser was was that actor. Uh, Samuel D. Hunter himself um wrote the play that this is based on, and then he wrote the screenplay as well. Uh it is a gay lead character. Uh mm the writer himself is gay he spoke about the process of writing the play as a way for him as, as very personal mm. being being gay and, and growing up in a very conservative environment and and struggling with with some disordered eating himself so that it's very personal to him and i think that comes across in the in the final film
1: but when you when you look at the film, can you see any of the critiques being valid or how do you feel about some of the feedback that it's gotten that hasn't been positive?
0: I assume you're referring to the fat suit of it all. The fat suit of it all. The elephant in the room. A fat suit is never not problematic. I'll put Mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like the character is is portrayed with so much empathy, yeah, which I think is completely lacking from from the next film that I will talk about, being my least <laughs> favorite of the festival. I think this particular film had feels like it has a lot of empathy for its for its lead character, and I, I could this could this have been played by an actor who didn't necessarily need to wear a fat suit? Yeah, probably. But am I mad? Am I mad that Brendan Fraser is playing this role? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: It's forever the question. I think sometimes in some moments, and I'm talking about you, Danish girl. Mm-hmm. We kind of <laughs> take a moment and we reflect on what was mm. a critical darling, but perhaps had more of a negative effect on the community in which it represented. Mm. Mm. Um and I think that's, you know, it's valid to to sit and critique that and think about it as a moment that maybe shouldn't be repeated. When it comes to fat suits, obviously they're problematic, but do we then look at that role and say, look at that moment on film and say, wow. Like, I don't think we would have gotten that moment if it wasn't
0: for Brendan Fraser, who mm. has
1: had a very, very shitty time
0: in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully. And I think to to see the response that he's getting, the the numerous standing ovations and the absolute outpouring of love and support is oh, it just it's so touching to see. it's so touching yeah. to see and to hear him talk about the performance as well as that he gave everything he had. he's been he's been on sort of record and, and and quoted as saying that he gave everything he had to this role. He was like if if this is the last thing I ever do and fully believing that it could be the last thing he ever does, He he gave absolutely everything. Wait, so
1: he's he's not going to come back for another movie? I I think he's going to come back for another movie, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. When I say that, like, (laughs) we can only hope. We can only hope. When I say that, like, he he fully believed that he was not going to have any other work. Sort of. After this is because he hasn't had he hasn't had the yeah. work he hasn't I'm had concerned. the work. Yeah, he was sort of blacked out of Hollywood for for a number of years. He sort of had like sort of D-list films for the longest time.
1: Longest and some, I mean, if you look at what happened with Batgirl, that poor man. Mm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that after all mm. that he's been through. For mm. executives who've who've been in the industry longer than he has, have been mm. the movie without even yeah. letting people keep the keep the footage to put on their own reels i thought yeah. that was horrific
0: yeah yeah, yeah. speaking of horrific
1: <laughs> segue <Segway. laughs>
0: <laughs> it's time to talk about my least favorite film of the festival which i gave a 3 out of 10 mm. the film that i'm talking to, talking about is the sun directed by florian zeller of the father fame mm. this film i feel like could not be further away from what the father achieved in being a sort of immersive sympathetic portrait of of the inner, inner workings of someone going through like, battling with 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 dementia yeah. i thought that 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 film masterfully done masterfully written masterfully, yeah. masterfully constructed the son i found the dialogue to be clunky Nothing I found the delivery to be wooden <laughs> and I found the characters to be completely unlikable
1: oh no she said that it's a clog folks that sounds like a clog that you would wear wooden clunky
0: plunk would be the sound effect that I would refer to my re- response <laughs> to this film oh no the 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 main plot the 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 basic plot of the film is the son is is battling with depression he is the son of divorced parents he's been living with his mother he decides he wants to move in with his father in the hopes that this will create some kind of change and will help spark some kind of Change in himself as well mm. so he moves in with his father and his father's new wife and child and continues to battle depression because of course that was never going to change anything Yeah, the approach to the depression of of the lead character of the titular character to me was so completely lacking in empathy mm. for anybody none of none of these characters come out well i've heard people Criticize the film as being emotionally manipulative. I do not begrudge emotional manipulation.
1: I would agree in United media me for decades. I, I mean, come on. I cried. How to save a life? I cried.
0: I mean, come on. I go in for a Pixar film every year. Every year, prepared to be emotionally destroyed.
1: On planes, I've cried.
0: Hoping for it, really hoping. Like yes. destroy release.
1: me. It's a release. Yeah. Destroy me. me.
0: In order for you to be destroyed in order for you to be emotionally manipulated, you have to care about the characters. The I did not care about words. the characters. I did not yes. care about any of these characters. Now, to be fair, this could have, this could just be my experience of the film. Mm. The girl sitting next to me at the screening was going through it, girl. Uh-oh. No. She... No way. She was so emotionally invested. Oh no. (laughs) To the point that it got to sort of the climax of the film. And the entire row of seats is shaking (laughs) with her suppressed (laughs) sobs. Sorry to that girl. So sorry, baby. That she went through that. But every time I heard a a stifled, like a, a sniffle and a... And a suppressed sob. <laughs> it was immediately following what I had just done, which was an eye roll. <laughs> I eye rolls. And she was sobbing. So I I, I would say that the, the response to the film has been divisive, as evidenced by, by this very real life <laughs> exchange.
1: People have hated it. I think it's a personal love it. And that that's Maybe. what the film is. It's it's sub- fucking subjective. I could say something. I've said some things about films and have people threaten my life as well as my dogs. And I don't even have a dog. So (laughs) like, I get it. We're all divided Uh on this, but I just want to say like nine times out of 10, I agree with you. And you know, 17 times out of 10, the rest of the world agrees with you. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to spend my heart and. and I absolutely would not. I don't think. Oh no. I don't think. Is there any gay in it? Is there
0: some oh, no. crumb of no. gay? No. no.
1: Oh, that makes it
0: worse. The the closest the closest we get to that is is potentially Vanessa Kirby being very good in the film. God, and in in that way, um we support we support gay icon Vanessa Kirby. You know. Just her ability to to look up and give a single tear. <laughs> Un unparalleled. Unparalleled. <laughs> So, I mean that frame, you know, printed it, frame it. That's that's the thing that you can take away from the film. But yeah, I have one more screening tonight to go to for the London Film Festival, which is Glass Onion. Yes, please. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited. The tickets sold out so fast. I managed to find like one screening that I hadn't seen that had not sold out, that was in so far in West London. But but I I will be going uh it'll take me about an hour and a half to get there and probably two hours to get home but I'm hoping it'll be worth it I've heard good things
1: oh I mean I hope you got Angela Lansbury doing her last performance in there right Mm. and you got Stephen Sondheim also um, last appearance last last appearance you got uh Benoit
0: Blanc confirmed gay by confirmed gay. who also
1: wears his glasses like this can we just why did we all let him (laughs) why did we let him just <laughs> I'd let him do it again to be fair Rachel Vice Weiss- has a point has a point with Daniel Craig she has a point um bless him bless him I'd rather watch the uh, the glass onion than watch another one of Kenneth Branagh's fucking Perot films which I won't get into I've let
0: it
1: go, <laughs> let it go. But... You,
0: you don't have enough champagne to fill the Nile
1: How do you take, how do you take what we've all agreed through the history of time that one of the best written mystery books of all time, how do you take it and make it unwatchable? (laughs) Darling, honey, how? How do you do it? (laughs) It's upsetting. You have money. You have an education. You've made Shakespeare look relatable to a young audience. You're Kenneth fucking Branagh. What are you doing? Like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm done, I'm done.
0: done. Okay. Category is television. Yeah. What have you got for me?
1: Well, in my box, this week, on Ripple's Drag Race, I love the show UK, which is my preference. We all know at this point. I want to zoom in on what must have been two minutes worth of actual show but it was all about hair and being queer. And more than the actual TV show, I wanted to talk about a great thing that TV does, where it tells you something about yourself that you didn't know to be true until you've seen somebody say it on TV. Mm-hmm. Like I always um, knew that hair was important to me as a queer person. I used to have hair going down my back that I would... Um, an eye curl. Yeah. really pretty hair um (laughs) relaxed um straightened Mm -hmm. very straight passing hair
0: super emo Um, yeah yeah yeah. i remember your emo face
1: and i just shaved it off one afternoon on the jammy plaza (laughs) and i never felt better Mm -hmm. and i haven't grown it out since then or i grew it a little bit But I kept the shave, you Mm -hmm. know, I would always have a little bit of queer in it somewhere Mm. so that people knew. And that type of feeling is what they were talking about in RuPaul's Drag Race. Like um, some of the queens were saying that they grew their hair out. Some of the queens were saying that they lost their hair. and It was a tough thing to go through, but they feel comfortable now. Um, Trader Gorgeous, that was. God, I love Trader Gorgeous.
0: And I, um, I myself, I'm in the Cheddar Gorgeous camp of the follicly challenged. So that was. <laughs> you look great in a was, was good though. to hear. Bit of work, bit of flick. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, but it is—it's just such a moment you have with yourself, where you decide that you want to represent who you are in a way that lets people know from thirty yards away. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, whatever Americans call yards, I have no idea. Um.
0: Oh, i goodness. think it's yards
1: now is it yeah i don't i live here and i don't get them i really don't i, don't I mean i want to talk say. like in the
0: uk you've got the miles and the kilometers some people use I don't, it's
1: confusing anyway from around the corner you can see that i'm gay
0: yeah <laughs>
1: you can see that i'm gay and i just want to talk about like what a powerful thing that is i mean uh-huh. i think for you like like if you want to show the kids your look today if you want to give them a little peek um he is wearing trousers that are beautiful he is serving the children give them Give yes you better twirl bitch yes 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 that's it that's the moment and when you see somebody walking down the street like that you feel good because they feel good so that's all i have to say about that watch RuPaul's drag race uk
0: kids and i i think that obviously all, all of RuPaul's Drag Race has been very very fundamental in having discussions around queer identity and making it sort of digestible for for mainstream audiences and also an opportunity for for queer people to see their experiences represented on screen
1: exactly yeah
0: um and i think the uk the uk version has done a very very good job of that you've had some sort of very very unprecedented conversations on TV. The conversation between Jenny Lemon and Bimini Bomboulash in season mm. two around being non-binary is is something that is not is not frequently spoken about on television, let alone at length. So again, having having that conversation this week about, about not only queer identity around hair, but racial identity around hair.
1: Very important too. It
0: was lovely to see.
1: It was so good. What have you got in your TV box?
0: I have She-Hulk, Attorney at Law.
1: Okay, let's get into it, girl.
0: <laughs> She-Hulk, okay, saying? Attorney at Law is the latest Marvel streaming show. Uh, it's a nine-episode season uh, created by Jessica Gao. I, I, when it first came out, I would, I would not say it was necessarily must-watch TV for me. But I've grown more and more attached to it as the episodes have come out. I think it's fun. And I think that it's... The angrier the Dude Bro Marvel fan base (laughs) seemed to get around the show, the more I kind of got obsessed with it.
1: Mm.
0: Everything that these people, and I use that phrase very lightly, (laughs) I had to criticize the show for it. I'm like, I think it's great. I think it is so much fun. I think it has it has a very distinctly feminine voice. Ooh. In that fun, I think so, so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there has been obviously levity. It's something the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been kind of criticized for, is too much levity. I've been one of those people to criticize that, especially the last Thor movie. Just
1: took the person a little bit too much. <laughs> There's a lot of take the person a little bit too much, <laughs>
0: and that to me it felt like a very specifically male comedic voice,
1: exactly a
0: very specifically kind of fratty, um, laddie kind of voice <laughs> that I did not necessarily identify with and did not find. Hysterical, which is the criticism now that the She Hulk has gotten, is that it is a very specific sort of tone and voice that is that is very feminine and that I I have felt more attuned to and can enjoy for what it is, which is nine 20 to 30 minute episodes of a comedic superhero lore sitcom, essentially. I think there have been there have been some like there have been some standout episodes. There have been some episodes that are that are like fine, but I think mm. there have been some some standout episodes. The people versus Emile Blonsky, mm. aka the Megan the Stallion twerking episode. Was a standout to me. It, it, it was so stupid. Don't get me wrong. So stupid that it ended with twerking. With She-Hulk twerking with with Megan the Stallion. My- so stupid. It really is. But I love it. I love it so much it is so camp and I think it is so telling that the people that are the biggest supporters of the show are women and gay men um I did want to highlight a particular tweet that I read around the the sort of ending that she hulk had there was a, there was a lot of discourse obviously when a show comes comes to the end of its season the discourse picks up again and people start talking about it so this yeah. comes from a, a William Bibiani um Who said that She Hulk revealed itself to be a story about a woman struggling to tell her own story, her own way, in a culture, a workplace, a franchise, and a genre that kept trying to dictate that path for her? The ending rather brilliantly brought that to a satisfying conclusion. I completely agree. I think that the ending, which I won't, I won't go into detail because I know that you have not seen the show yet, and there may be a lot of people who haven't seen the a show yet.
1: Person, another controversial thing about me: I'm not a spoilers person. I don't. I couldn't be asked.
0: The ending, though messy, was a big creative risk. It said, "Look, we're gonna, we're doing something different. We're nodding and winking to the fact that we don't always do that." Um. I mean the execution is not is the best. Just like I don't think the execution across the majority of the season has not been the best. But there have been standout moments. There have been episodes like The People versus Emile Blonsky. There's been episodes like the the retreat, which aka the, the ghosting episode, where the character of Jen Walters gets ghosted by someone that she was seeing and then too. and then ends up being stuck on a on a retreat with no signal and all that stuff. It's, it's all very sitcom-y. I think it was all the filmmaking was so creative around it and more importantly it had emotional heft it told a real story through the lens of like super, superhero shenanigans around Jen Walters insecurities around being She-Hulk and and the experiences that she's had and it was all very human and it was all very like just good storytelling
1: Exactly. And I have to like take a minute and think about what exactly is that that makes people so upset when other people are laughing at a joke that isn't for them. It's something that I chewed on a lot as a, as a film reviewer, but I think there's a certain type of self-reflection that some people don't have because the world has been catered towards them and they've never had to sit and think Perhaps this isn't for me.
0: It's not for you, you know. Which is you okay. have everything.
1: <laughs> I don't understand this this burning desire to also just shout about things that you hate. Yes, I went on about Kenneth Branner, but I've never at Kenneth Branner about yeah. the fact that I dislike his films. Would I never don't because he made a fucking film. He put his little, uh, you know, browner pussy into the thing and he made it. You <laughs> I respect that. You and ask- I
0: just moments ago did criticize Thor Love and Thunder for not being for me. Yes. That's not me saying it's it's terrible and no one should watch it. And I hated yes. it. But I'm just yeah. saying I felt like it wasn't for me. I yes. could very clearly see who the film was for. Not necessarily for me. That's fine. There's so many other films that I could be consuming.
1: You didn't at the makers of that film and say, no. oh God, awful movie, because you're a logical, calm human being.
0: They don't need to hear that.
1: They don't need to hear that.
0: Yeah. And I do think that there's something about, something about She-Hulk that I think it was very much a vehicle for the criticisms that Dude Bros have lobbed at the MCU for the last few years. With the introduction to more female characters, with the introduction of more POC characters, and I think that the the show has very very clearly head on been like, oh, you don't like this, through through She-Hulk, who is the sort of fourth wall breaking character to be like, oh, you don't like this, have some more.
1: Which I enjoy. I mean, we've all seen the clip. We've all we've all known what they're saying. They even. Um... I'm very direct with it, and I feel like I know what they're upset about, and I know it's Brie Larson shaped. Um, <laughs> and I, um, for me, I I personally think that was one of my favorite movies, Marvel movies, because I felt seen and I felt heard. Hmm. Even though it's it's a canonically queer character, it wasn't queer in the movie. Um, I know that a lot of the criticism levelled at She Hulk started and found its real root at Miss Marvel. Um, It found its root in the Eternals. Um, You know, uh, and I understand that. You can see however many people that you might even know and trust say things about films, say things about TV, say things about music. But the thing that I would say to everybody to do is just go fucking see it yourself. Form form your own opinion. opinion yeah Mm, and do your own investigations about how you feel Mm. i feel i know for instance that i feel that way about kenneth branner's films um agatha christie films because i have a visceral connection to the old tv show so a lot of my critique isn't based on technique um you have your own
0: biases yeah
1: yeah and i'm aware of that and i think we could all take a moment to understand who we are and what we are when we watch a film and what it shows us. And the same with TV and the same with music. You know, I think, um, and I hope Chad, because I know you're still listening. Um, you fancy one of us. You just won't admit it. Just be cognizant. Cognizant meaning be aware of what you're feeling and kind of dive into it um, instead of just throwing your beer at your mom's TV. Just kind of get it together get
0: and on that note we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back yes, and we are back yes we are and the category is music yes. what are you listening to my dear
1: I'm currently listening to Lucy Dacus who made this t-shirt that says Lucy's Late Night Diner she performed in Birmingham a few nights ago and if you haven't listened to her yet it's a bit like Fleetwood Mac meets the saddest moment of your life (laughs) um we're talking depression and anxiety in sonic form and I appreciate that she also just writes gorgeous prose she writes a story that we can all get into I think my two favorite songs of hers are Thumbs and um, Night Shift, which is what this t-shirt is. It says Lucy's Late Night Diner. She's brilliant. She also recently did a cover of Home Again, which I believe is a, a Carol King song, and just brilliant. I think if you're, if you're walking home in the rain, if you're eating a chocolate pudding in front of Game of Thrones, this is the music for you. <laughs> Her voice is deep. It's uh-huh. caramelly. It's uh-huh. rich. Her sounds are well-rounded out. Um, she mixes sort of soft and loud, a lot like Phoebe Bridges does. She's actually in a band with Phoebe Bridges and Julian Baker, a brilliant singer, brilliant performer, brilliant poet, um, also incredibly queer. And I, I definitely really think when it comes to women singing about breakups, she's the girl for you.
0: How did, you, how did you discover her? Because I'd not, I'd not heard of her until you, you mentioned. This is becoming a bit of a pattern, but I'd, I'd not heard of her until you mentioned her. Um, how did you, when did you first sort of listen to her music?
1: So one of my favorite things to do is go to the NPR Tiny Desk Sessions. Hmm. um and listen to all the bands that they put on some are very rarely is it a miss i'd say it's an 80 20 split and i always kind of check out everybody who's been on there and she she was on there in the band um boy genius okay so they put out an album called boy genius and it's three singers julian baker is also lovely and they just have a great mix of voice. And so I went to that performance, listened to that album, dove into um, Lucy Dacus, uh, Phoebe Bridges and Julian Baker individually. I'd say out of all of them, Phoebe Bridges mm. is the most well-known as she yeah. has you know mm. multiple performances and is dating mm. that boy from Ordinary People.
0: Um, boy.
1: Engaged to him. Bless him. Mm. What's his name? it doesn't matter uh, Paul Mescal Paul Mescal oh that boy that
0: no, yes, yes, doesn't matter yes yes.
1: yes yes um but you know she's queer and we're all queer and uh it's brilliant Phoebe Bridges is brilliant but Lucy Dacus I think is a really like one of those people with a voice rich enough to surround you in whatever you're feeling
0: nice i will definitely be listening to more of her stuff
1: what have you got in your music box my beautiful man
0: in my music box is gay icon, open yes. pansexual. Yes. The 34-year-old yes. Swedish singer. What? Formerly known as Tovlo.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: of course talking about Tootaloo. <laughs> Bitch, tell me why
1: I heard Tudaloo. I just, oh god. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I think that's how she sort of described it in a TikTok. She was sort of like, you know. Anyway. That is. Tuvalu has just dropped her fifth studio album, Dirt Femme. Mm. It is the first time she's had complete creative control over an album. Mm. And I think it very much shows. The album is extremely personal. While still being what? an album full of like of bangers yeah like Mm. you know
1: that's the experience I had too straight bangers
0: yeah still very poppy still very like dancey but being extremely personal in in a Rolling Stones article around the album release she'd sort of uh, I have a quote from that that I, I really liked which was I'm bringing up these questions and feelings and emotions that don't necessarily have answers to them it's just more my current place of wonder Mm, and I thought that's cool. such a lovely quote and it is and that's how I would describe the album is wonderful mm. wonderful <laughs> um, you're, I mean people will absolutely have heard the sort of standout pre-release singles like No One Dies From Love and To Die For which samples popcorn randomly <laughs> great songs she also had I think the first single from the album which was, was featured in an episode of Euphoria. I don't I don't personally watch Euphoria. Um now that believe, is quite. But I believe that it was <laughs> that it was debuted. <laughs> I'm just going to move right past that. I watch Skins. I know the gist. Um,
1: <laughs> Not as good though. Not as good. Skins placed them for trying. Yeah. Didn't yeah. quite um, get it, did they? No. Um, Brilliant. I, you know, I listened to it too, and I think it was a great reflection on. And I think Rolling Stone might have said this too. A reflection on sort of domestic bliss. Mm, mm-hmm. And ideas of femininity around that, and ideas of being around that, and kind of chewing on that, and really processing it. But, but uh, yeah, she...
0: and processing Dang. that because there there is also like the yeah. song "Suburbia," which in which she's talking about. What if I'm not made out for that? Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be a stepford wife. Like I might. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of, I think, a song that was sort of written. I'm assuming around her marriage because she just, I think, got married to a boy. Just got married.
1: Yep. Yep
0: sort of saying, I'm not going to be a stepford wife. Like, I don't know if this is, if this is for me, but we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're giving it a try anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of that sort of like sort of navel gazy sort of processing her own experiences. I think the latest single uh, Grapefruit, which just dropped his video today, yesterday. It's is I folks.
1: It's a, I would say.
0: Um... The video oh, has a, a correct, like a, a Sort of interpretive dance routine inside of a padded cell.
1: Still sexy, though. That's what's confusing. Still sexy.
0: The walls are actually skin that bruises throughout the performance. <sighs> and yet, it, I mean, that sounds like it should be gross. Still sexy. And yet, it's not. It's not gross. It's still hot. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know. Swedish women, um, I'm happily married, but Swedish women <laughs> just, if you look at the history of pop music, you will see a thread of Swedish people running throughout it. From ABBA to Childish Gambino's collaborator. There's just something about the way Swedes make songs Mm. that I think really is a great reflection on on being, on just being a human, trying to make Mm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just on the fact that you still need to fucking dance.
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah so like like grapefruit it, it is about her experience with bulimia yeah that you can dance to it's a
1: banging, that is Your that is
0: a that is a wild sentence to say that <laughs> like did you listen to the new bulimia song it's a bop <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> 10 out of 10 album no notes for, for as, as much as the, like the dance albums there are some more sort of like more sort of stripped back i think the one song um. true romance True is a romance. song that was recorded in one take.
1: Genuinely.
0: Genuinely that's recorded in one take.
1: Insane. What is she? What and it, is she? And exactly? it is.
0: It's quite it's quite stripped back. There's a lot of emotion in the performance. It's it's not like polished and clean. And I think that's that is why I think gay people have completely like accepted and like held on to her. Is yeah. like you're a little bit of a messy bitch. She's incredibly messy. I think you want to you- get real, yeah. but you want to dance. And you want to be a little bit sweaty. She's
1: a bitch. It's
0: it's a, it's a vibe. Yeah.
1: No, I love that. I love that. If you haven't listened to the album yet, go listen to the album. I think it's particularly worth particularly worth a listen. I think she's also one of those artists that are very active on their tweets uh, on their uh mm-hmm. TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, well worth a follow. I follow mm-hmm. her. Um uh, not just because she has a nice bum. But... <laughs> um <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh sorry, women are a more than bit. their bums. Uh
0: yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Category is literature.
1: Literature? Alex. I'm a what... Literature, win. I am not. You know what I love? And this is, I hope everybody gets this reference. I am an archive of our own queer who then moved to Book Talk. And uh, via Book Talk, I found a book called The Romance Recipe by Ruby Barrett, um, B A R E T T. And okay, so we have because we both love food um it's the story of a chef who was on an off-brand Top Chef and everybody's into her and then it just colossally plummets I guess when the new season of Top Chef comes out but in that time when everybody was into her she signed up for a restaurant With a restaurant owner who fancied the absolute pants of her. But she had no idea. The restaurant owner had no idea that she battled her own sort of imposter syndrome. And they go from enemies to lovers. And that's not spoiling anything. Because I think the main thing is how they deal with that. Mm. And it's brilliant. It is. It's. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. But good. with women, um, and good, and also just like uh, you know, uh, the sex scenes are good, um, and yes, some of the some of the things around the sex scenes I think could use work, or whatever. But it's definitely a book that you could read in an afternoon and <laughs> enjoy. It is very sexy, mm, uh-huh. um, and I think that's something that's missing from a lot of um lesbian literature mm. or at least queer literature because I think one of the characters is bisexual. Um where it's just actually the fact that sometimes women just want to fuck um <laughs> and deal with everything that comes with afterwards. Mm. And so it's a book about fucking and food. And I would highly recommend it.
0: Love that. Yeah. That that should be on the book jacket. This is a book <laughs> about fucking and food. <laughs> yeah bon appetit (laughs) it's really
1: good it made me want poutine um and it also made me wonder what walk what happens in walk-in freezers so yeah just a lot of interesting things
0: yeah from what i've heard from chefs stuff happens a lot of things
1: things happen in in -in walk-in freezers jesus christ (laughs) what's wrong with you that's my terrible mistake (laughs) um but brilliant brilliant i think uh, also a lot of fun Obviously, if you enjoyed, which I'll probably get into in another in, in another way, um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, mm-hmm. which I think is fairly famous, yeah, um, and also becoming a show. Mm. If you enjoyed the sex scenes with that and one or two of the fights, then this book is for you.
0: Nice. I will definitely be adding that to my reading list.
1: Join us again next week. For another sip of queer culture cheers cheers